Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We have been teaching here on Sunday mornings this year. And this morning, uh, we're going to talk about spiritual, spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare today. If you'll turn to your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And we will also, we will also be reading from uh, Ephesians chapter number 6. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. In Ephesians chapter number six, as you're turning there, and it'll probably it'll be on the screen as well. I would like to give a shout out today to my lovely bride, Sister Don McGee, whose birthday is today. And uh, they say it's not proper to say a, a woman's age, so I won't do that. But uh, I know that she wouldn't care even if I did, because that's just the type of person and personality that she has. But uh, this being quarantine time and it is her birthday, please go by her Facebook wall, drop her a message, text her, call her, Zoom meet with her, FaceTime her. She is just I know in just dire straits that it is her birthday and she's confined to the four walls of our home. She's probably going to be sitting in the window all day today on a stool just looking outside. And so please help me. Amen. Send birthday wishes to her. Amen. We're so godly. I'm so godly proud of her and thankful for her. Amen. In my life. First Timothy chapter number six. We're going to read verse number 12. This is Paul speaking to his young protege in the gospel, Timothy. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight. You know, there's enough bad fights going along. Amen. It's good that Paul told us to fight the good fight, that precious and honorable fight of faith. Lay lay hold on eternal life life. So this tells us, this tells us really in essence what our fight's about. It's for uh, securing, if you will, the eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, if you could turn to Ephesians chapter number six, uh, these verses of scripture of, of 11 through 18 are some well trod and worn down verses of scripture for many. Uh, Christian and non-Christian, really, for that matter, have somewhat of a familiarity with these verses. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places whereof take unto you the whole armor of God and so emphasis again about taking the whole armor there that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore also a lot of emphasis going on here about standing in there stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all. So this is pretty important. Taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Lastly verse number 18. Praying Always, this is important. I'm so glad that we have included verse 18 this morning because a lot of times people just read through the articles of all of this armor and they leave out verse 18, which is really in this, the context and and goes with these other verses of Scripture. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. In other words, you're going to be fully suited in armor, but you need not to be fully suited with all this stuff without there being oiled with prayer. 
Amen. Without being poor with prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching there unto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Again, this morning, our subject matter is spiritual warfare. Again, what we have done here before I pray, what we have done here, we've kind of followed a little process here in the discipleship series about our, our, our belief or our concentration in the word of God and why we can put our faith and confidence in it, giving us over into faith and repentance steps and the plan of salvation, baptism, why we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, the, the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance and the differentiating between that and the gift of the Spirit or the gift of the Spirit be in tongues and interpretation of tongues and so we're just kind of leading all along here and we talked about the fruit of the spirit some of those things that show our maturing and our developing in the lord but in all of that and our new birth experience of walk with god you are met with some battles uh, when you were born again you were born again into an army you were born again unto Warfare, And there are great testimonies, perhaps, of people that have talked about that after they have come to know the Lord and have received the Spirit of the Lord, it seems like, man, the, 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 the hammer just slammed down and now they're being assailed by all kinds of things, thoughts and things that have just bombarded their life. Welcome to the army of the Lord. Welcome to, quote-unquote, spiritual Warfare. I'm going to pray today. Amen. The Lord would help us by his word. Father, I love you today. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, again, God, for the opportunity to stand here and still yet, Lord, share the word of the Lord, God, with those in our viewing audience today. I pray, oh God, help the church. Help us to be strong. We are the church triumphant. We are the army of the Lord, and we are in the middle, Lord, of great battles, Lord, in our lives, seen and unseen, Lord, inside and outside. But God, by your spirit, by your power we can be overcomers God by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony I pray oh Lord teach us now God how we can be best equipped God for this aspect Lord of our Christian lives in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen God bless you today in Jesus name spiritual warfare yes ladies and gentlemen uh, whenever you have become a Christian when you become Christ like by virtue of receiving his spirit, uh, you have become a soldier, so to speak, in the army of the Lord. As a matter of fact, several places in the New Testament scriptures, uh, the Bible even speaks of and relates to a Christian, a newborn individual in Christ as being a soldier. Paul, Paul particularly emphasizes this in his writings uh, to Timothy. Uh, as he did in 1 Timothy 6.12 that I read in your hearing today, he told Timothy to fight, of course, the good fight of faith, that soldier type of terminology that he is using there. But he also has told Timothy in other places that no man that warreth uh, should entangle himself in the affairs of this life. Again, the soldier imagery is there. He also told Timothy in another place of Scripture to endure the hardness of, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ and that he should war a good warfare. And so we have absolutely been called to a battle. Here's something that you must consider uh, or a question that you may even need to ponder in your mind. And that is this. Did you absolutely expect to change sides in the battle without there being any conflict in your changing sides. Amen. Uh, you battled when you didn't know the Lord. You're going to battle after you know the Lord. It's just about what side now you are battling on. And so uh, there is still conflict. Even the Lord Jesus Christ throughout his life and earthly ministry uh, shows us plainly that he even did not go without conflict or warfare he starts the bible teaches us in matthew and in luke that he starts his public ministry and it starts with a 40-day struggle in a wilderness being tested of the devil 
So if that isn't spiritual warfare, then I don't know what is. He had, amen, his moments of being assailed by the adversary as well. So we have been called into battle, absolutely. And Ephesians 6 is basically relaying to you and I what we must do, how we must equip ourselves for this battle. It speaks in terms of figuratively as it goes through these different pieces of armor these are real natural pieces of armor but he he, he you can, something we must understand about the apostle paul uh the apostle paul much of his life uh sadly he 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 has spent in at times in prison uh, he's been chained between a couple of soldiers. Uh, he's been taken in before the authorities. What I'm saying is this. Paul was familiar with soldiers because he had been apprehended by soldiers on more than one occasion. He had been chained to soldiers on more than, than one occasion. So Paul, no doubt, I mean, if you're chained to a soldier and this is life, you know, at that moment in time, you know, what are you really going to do? You're going to pray, sing praises, all these other things that the scripture declares that they did. But he had plenty of time to study the articles of a Roman soldier as he was chained to them. So he was well well uh, versed and very familiar with what a Roman soldier and the armor that they would have on. And so Paul takes something that would be very familiar to the people of his day, uh, the Roman articles of clothing for a soldier, and he elevates them to a spiritual level of how even as Christians, as people of the faith, need to likewise to, to uh, equip their lives, amen, with particular articles, if you will, of the faith in order to do our warfare and our battle, amen, in the realm of the spirit. And Paul is making a, 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 a sharp distinction that uh, what we do in the life of the church is not that we are wrestling against flesh and blood or people or, or, or just personalities, if you will, but the real warfare is happening in the realm of the spirit. Amen. That there are uh, principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. And it's because of these that we must equip ourselves and arm ourselves to fight the good fight of faith. And Paul starts out of the uh, out of the pen, if I may. He starts out of the pen telling us emphatically that we must put on the whole armor of God. And very simply in the words put on is this notion. No one is going to do this for you. No one is going to equip you for the battle. But the put on emphatically tells us that we are responsible. If the helmet is going to be found on our head, it's because it was made available and we took it and we placed it there. If the sword of the Spirit is going to be found in our hand, it's because it was made available. But we took, we availed ourselves of that and placed it in our hands. So we got to put on, and, and, and again, underscoring, and I'll probably say this more than once, the whole armor of God. This is not armor of God a la carte. You know, this is not like going through the buffet line. Going to have a little bit of green beans, a little mashed potatoes, a little pork chop. Oh, there's, there's soup beans. I don't want those. No, 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 no. This, this is the whole armor of God we're talking about. In other words, everything that is laid and made available to you, amen, you need to take that and you need to put it on. If there's, if there's something for your feet, get those feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Put on that breastplate. Put on the whole armor of God. It's our responsibility. Now, there's something I want to point out to you, and that is, note, you're putting on the whole armor of God. It doesn't say put on Paul's armor. It doesn't say put on Sister Malin's armor. And uh, if you were, it would probably be not quite proportioned appropriately for you. She's one of the few here that I can pick on. I don't have too many people I can pick on in my audience. But uh, nonetheless... It said, put on, note thou, the armor of God. And I'm speaking all, I'm speaking all here English Bible. Behold thou. Put on the armor of God. Now, the reason why this is important is because we got Old Testament precedence of this concept and idea of another man 
taking another individual's armor and putting it on. We even see such a thing that tried to come about and happen with David whenever he was going to go to war in the valley of Elah against Goliath. Remember that Saul, Saul tried to give his armor unto David to go into warfare. David says, no, I'm not proved that. He did not put that on. But there is another place in Scripture as well that we see this. Not too far, not too far from the family tree, uh, down in the family tree of Saul, we read of Jonathan. You remember in the Old Testament Scripture that there came that moment in time that Jonathan and David uh, met each other and that it seems like upon meeting each other, there was this, uh, uh, there was this uh, relationship that, that begun in the moment of meeting each other, uh, that Jonathan had a, a, a love and a respect toward David, and David had a love and a respect toward Jonathan, the one toward the other. The Bible speaks of it in these terms that their souls were knit. Their souls were knit uh, together. And so in this same context of Scripture, and find it in 1 Samuel 18 and verse number 4, in this, in this context of Scripture, their souls being knit together and the, the deep respect that one had for the other. The Bible says in verse number 4, And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And so what we have in here is Jonathan is given David his, his garment, but more importantly, uh, not, not any, I guess more, but equally as important, his, his, his sword and his bow and his belt unto David. And whenever this happened, and this, this, is, this is a place in Scripture that we have the precedence for, but historically this would happen, that whenever two men had made covenants between themselves and had made some type of pact between each other, uh, basically, if you will, for watching each other's back, having a, a kinship, if you will, a friendship between one another, it wasn't untypical for one to give his robe to the other and his armor and artillery to the other, all right? And so what happens, though, when if a person took the robe and gave it to another? Because remember, the robes of individuals of these days, clothing was greatly important. Uh, just by a person's clothing, a person of this culture and time could know and gain knowledge just by their clothing, their occupation, what type of position that they served in society. There's a whole lot we could talk about there. But nonetheless, all these things, it was, in essence, their identity. Their clothing was their identity. So here's what's happening. I, I, this is just some of the coolest things in Scripture. So here's what's happening. Whenever Jonathan gave David, and no, John is the up-and-coming king. He's the son of King Song. He is the upcoming. Whenever he gave that, that robe and, and such to David, amen, and David puts that on. David is assuming the responsibility and the identity of Jonathan. There was something really powerful happening in that moment, I think, that goes beyond the moment. That although Jonathan was the up-and-coming king, and his robe and his distinguishment of who he was, was in a moment already being transferred before it was transferred. David was going to be the next king. But, but that's, that's beside the point. But, and so there was a transfer, if you will, taking on the other person in the transference of the robes. You say, well, Brother McGee, what's that have to do with the price of eggs in China for Ephesians chapter number 6? Because the Scripture's telling us that we have put on the armor of God. Not only are we... And I know we're talking about a robe right here of Jonathan David, and there's also armor involved. But think about this. We have also put on Christ. The Bible says in Galatians 5 and verse 27, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. See, when you went down into the watery grave of baptism, as we've already studied, you in, in, in reality have put on the robe, the identity of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he took your robe as well. 
Because the Bible, speaking of the man Christ Jesus in Philippians 2 and 7, that man Christ Jesus that came down and walked among mankind, the Bible describes him like this in Philippians 2 and 7. Jesus Christ was made, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And so since Christ came down and took your robe, so to speak, on him, he took your identity, he took your sin, he took your mistakes, he took that on him. But thank be to God that through baptism, we've taken his identity on us, his righteousness on us. Hallelujah. His clean bill, if you will, amen, of a slate that is clean up on us. We have exchanged in many ways, robes. But for the application, then the scripture, look, Jonathan didn't just give David. He didn't just give him, again, 1 Samuel 18, 4. He didn't just give him the robe, but he gave him the sword and the bow and the belt. He gave him this armor, this armory, if you will, unto him. Now, there's something special about that whenever these covenants were made. And we see them often uh, times, even the Old Testament, what this, what this was conveying to these two parties that's involved in this covenant is that basically if I give you my sword and my girdle and my bow, what that means is this, is that you are going to defend and avenge me and I'm going to defend and avenge you. What this means is this, that if, if and, and Brother Mason's here this morning, so I'm going to refer to him, if Brother Mason and I made this covenant, and he gave me his sword and his bow and his girdle. That's a good Old Testament biblical word, girdle. All right, there's no strings being pulled or nothing like that taking place. <clears throat> but nonetheless, if that were to take place, what that means is this. As I take them, that means whoever is the enemy of Brother Mason has now become my enemy. Yes, whoever's become the enemy of Brother Mason has now become my enemy. And so what that means is, if he's under attack, you might as well say I'm under attack. And he's not going to fight by himself. Woo! Hallelujah. We need to put on the whole armor of God. Because whenever I, I, I hoist that armor on my life, amen, God's saying, I got your back. Whoever your adversary is, going to be my adversary. And likewise, if we've taken his and he's taken ours, then whoever is an enemy of the Lord should be an enemy of ours. And so, folks, listen, we got to stop being friends with the ones that are an enemy to the God that we put the armor. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. We, that's not how it works. We're going to defend one another. We're going to avenge one another. Uh, his enemy is going to be my enemy. For that matter, uh, his friend, his companion is going to be my friend and my companion. You see it played out in the story of Jonathan. Amen. I'm not getting too far here today. But you see it played out in the story of Jonathan David. Uh, you can read of it further in, in 1 Samuel chapter number 20. It comes to a place that Jonathan basically tells David this. And if if you want it for your reference, 1 Samuel 20 and verse number, verse number 9. I don't believe I gave that to anybody uh, uh, upstairs. And I'm not talking about the Lord either. I'm talking about our media crew. Uh, but Jonathan would eventually tell David in this relationship, he says, listen, David, I will tell you of any evil that is determined against you. I'll let you know of any evil that my father has determined against you. You know what he's saying? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the saddle with you. For that matter, you'll remember the story of him talking about uh, the arrows that he shot and the servant to run and say, you know, the arrows are beyond you and David's there behind a rock listening. And from that whole scenario, he would know whether it was safe to stay or if he needed to leave. You remember that? And so there is another notion. Not only would he, he tell David of any evil that was determined against him, but he was even helping David for a plan of escape from it. Folks, whenever you exchange armor with the Lord, whenever you put on his armor, you get that type of, uh, of relationship. You get that type of loyalty and honor from God that not only will he have his eye open concerning evil that's determined against you, many times if you're in it or if you've not even approached it yet, he will make a way of escape for you. Amen. With the covenant that God made with Abraham, he told Abraham, he said, I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse them. 
that curse you. So we want to put on the whole armor of God. So when we talk about in this Christian life, in this Christian journey, when we describe spiritual warfare or battles that we face as Christian, there is perhaps primarily three fronts where battle occurs in our Christian lives. Much of this weekend has been devoted to this first one, and that is uh, an inward front or an inward battle. Things that happen on the inside of us. Uh, and a lot of times it's a simple, I say simple, but it's a battle against the old nature that we've moved beyond now or that we're attempting to move beyond. Look, if you will, at Romans 7 and verse 23. And again, some of these verses are those that we have touched and tagged along this discipleship series journey. Paul says, but I see another law in my members. Warring. Using that good old battle terminology, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity into the law of sin, which is my Members, he said. There's another law that's warring in me, and it's bringing, it's bring, it's 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 in my mind, and it's bringing me in captivity. And here's here's the horrible thing about thoughts. Thoughts lead to actions and feelings. And Paul says it's warring against my mind, but it's bringing me to captivity unto sin. Right? It started here, but it's making then me a captive of sin. He goes on in Galatians five and verse seventeen. Another scripture underscoring the inward battle. The Bible says, "For the flesh, we've seen this in our through the spirit study. For the flesh lusteth; it desireth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. And so there's that inward struggle that happens inside of us sometimes. And as the end result of whoever the winner is, at times it causes us where we cannot do the things that we would, that we would do, or even that we should do. Paul said, I, I know to my life, he said, the things that I should do, I do not. And those things that I do achieve, he said, I shouldn't. And that's all a result of that war, that inward battle, that front of battle that happens on the inside of an individual. But there is another front of battle, and that is an outward front of battle against oppositions that come or even hindering things that are hindering our efforts on the outside of us. Again, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, people per se, but sometimes... People are even tools in the hands of other sources that can hinder efforts and bring opposition. Uh, we're not fighting against the person, but sometimes there is a struggle against their efforts or their endeavors that may be contrary to us. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, speaking of our dilemma of outward battles or the outward front, he says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. He said, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. And so he's given us, if you will, a pulse of outward struggles, of, of, of trouble and, 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 and perplexion and persecution and being cast down. So that is a real front of the battle. But the battle that we really want to hone in on this morning, if I ever get there, the battle that we want to hone in on today is that there is an invisible battle that takes place. There is unseen forces, and I'm not here to get spooky and, and weird and all of that, but I'm just here to be biblical, that there are some unseen forces that are at work in our world today, and they have been from the beginning of time. There are some unseen forces, spirits, you want to call them powers, that the Bible speaks of them. It speaks of powers of Darkness, we spoke about darkness on Wednesday. Powers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, there is a hierarchy and a pecking order to the spiritual world that we do not see. I know you have a hierarchy in your job and you have your CEO and CFO and you have managers and you have the lay people that work. But there is a hierarchy in the realm of the spirit as well. 
princes and powers of the air, amen, that present themselves to us to us as, as soldiers and warriors against us, amen, in an invisible battle. You may never see them with your eyes, but I guarantee you there are probably moments in your life that you feel them. Can I even express to you this morning that sometimes you can feel them coming through natural emotions of humanity like depression and being overwhelmed. I'm not saying every depressed and all these things are always tied to a spirit, but I'm saying there's sometimes that there is some depression and feelings of overwhelmingness, amen, that is in, it's been incited by a spirit of the adversary. Amen. Uh, the Bible speaks in the book of Daniel. Daniel even talks about how he prayed unto the Lord and that there was this uh, uh, several day delay of his prayer being heard as it would be. And, and the angel of the Lord showed up and spoke to Daniel. And he said, I would have been here sooner, but I had a delay. He said, the prince of Persia did, did come and fight me. This is an angel speaking. He said, the prince of Persia had come. He's not talking about the natural prince of Persia. He's not talking about some natural authority over a natural land. This is an angel speaking. He's speaking about a prince, the hierarchy, huh? In the spiritual world, there was a prince of Persia that came to, to, to assail me and try to, try to stop me, and I was delayed. And he even goes on to speak about, and you can find this in Daniel 10. The angel goes on to speak about, he said, but Michael, and he's talking, he's talking about the archangel of Scripture, Michael. You know, you have Michael, you have Gabriel and Lucifer who was once. Right? He said, Michael came and, and helped. He gave aid. And so what Daniel, in, in the realm of the natural, is seeing seemingly there's, there's a delay. There's no deliverance. There's nothing going on. In reality, there was a whole lot going on. There was warfare that was being taken, that was taking place in the invisible world. Folks, let me tell you something. There are times that there may seem like nothing's going on in your natural life, but there are spiritual things taking place that your eye cannot see. You think, why in the world is there a delay? Or why did that happen? Or why did that take place? If there's moments that you cannot give no explanation to, I guarantee you there may be something taking place in a world that your eye cannot peer into. Amen. The invisible world. The Bible tells us, it told us in our scripture reading today, of Ephesians 6 and verse number 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. All right. And it tells then all of those different, that hierarchy structure, those things that we do wrestle against. Even in, And why do we do this? Why, why are we suffering from this? Folks, whenever you've walked out of darkness into light, whenever you've left the old nature to, to adopt the new nature in Christ Jesus, let me tell you something. Your old general, <laughs> huh? The adversary, your old general doesn't like that you switch sides. It's plain and simple that. He's not too happy. He feels a little betrayed. But if there's anyone you want to betray, betray the adversary. Amen. You've switched sides. And so he has his focus. He has his crosshairs upon you. Not only that, I believe the scripture in Revelation even admonishes us and tells us, amen, that there's going to come a day and an hour that without doubt the adversary is going to know that he has but just a short time. Hallelujah. That he has just but a short time. Folks, he, under, he is going to understand that he doesn't have much more time to work, much more time, if you will, to increase hell and enlarge its borders because the people that's going there. Huh? So he, he, listen, he's not taking weekends off right now. I know we're in quarantine and everything else and everybody's got supposedly all this extra time on your hand and that's great for you. I've not yet found it yet. But nonetheless, got all this other stuff going on and he, you know, no, the devil's not taking no weekends. He's not in quarantine. He is roaming about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Amen. And so we got these three fronts inward, outward, and invisible that we contend with today. And so it's the invisible that we want to look at this morning. And again, the Apostle Paul could describe these different articles of clothing, his familiarity with the Roman soldiers and Roman army. If you'll allow me uh, to read a few verses this morning. I tell you what, we're so deep in this. Let me just go on. For, I was going to read the same scripture said in the Amplified, but we, we can skip that. Look it up. It's just a good reading of Ephesians 6, 11 through 18 in the Amplified version of the Bible. 
Now all you folks that didn't know anything about technology are so tech savvy because you're quarantined and such. You, you can find it. You can find the amplified version on the Internet, and you can get that taken care of. Amen. Look at the mission that is outlined, though, in Ephesians 6. The mission that is outlined for us. Of course, first getting the armor on, right? Responsibility that we have. Then we see in the verses, again, this repetitive concept and idea of standing standing against the adversary, standing, standing against the wiles of the enemy. And so the Lord has really given us a strategy, a strategy in the scripture as well. And then he has pinpointed for us who the enemy is. That's a great thing to know when you go to war, folks. And I'm not trying to be condescending or like we're all a bunch of elementary kids, but it's a good thing when you go into battle, you know who the enemy is so you know who you should fight. That's plain and simple, but that's very important. And so he's, he's underscored for us uh, who the enemy is. And then he has these, this other terminology. I like how he, he says, so that we might be able to withstand, he says, in the evil day. So we might be able to withstand, which in a certain degree is speaking of our survival our ability to make it through. It's speaking of our quality of strength. And he goes on talking about our standing again, you know, and again, so we're continuing, we're remaining. It's not that we took a foothold, but we've kept it, right? And so again, our, our quality of strength. And then again, that, that verse 18 that wraps this up and bathes this so well, talking about praying always. So he gives us a mission, and then he gives us the armor inventory that he has listed in Scripture in order to accomplish this. He talks to us about the, the belt of truth or the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shod with the preparation, which would be the, what the Scripture would call in the Old Testament the graves or the brass boots that one would wear, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. We have all these different uh, things of inventory that the Lord has given unto us. Amen. And so the weaponry is spoken in terms that we can relate to Roman soldiers, Roman army. But again, they are spiritual weapons that Paul speaks of in Ephesians 6. And I have said this over and over again, I know through my pastor, and I'm sorry if you're getting tired of hearing it, but hear me one more time. And for those who are not my saints, but if you'd like to be, please come, and you'll probably hear it five times if you start attending here. And that is this. We cannot, we cannot go into spiritual battles with carnal weapons. We cannot win spiritual battles with carnal weapons. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 and verses 3 through 4. And guys, I'm skipping some verses because I've kind of treaded some ground early on. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 4. For though we walk in the flesh, in these real human bodies, we do not war after the flesh. Consequently then, where we walk literally is not where we war, all right? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, there it is, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so we want to have the spiritual armor, if you will, for the spiritual battles, amen. And there's some purposes why uh, this armor has been given and we want to put it on that's related in Ephesians chapter number six. We want to put on and utilize the whole armor of God for primarily, I say primarily, there's probably more you could squeak out of here, but three purposes. Number one, we see in verse number 11, to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We want to have the armor on to be able to prevail over the wiles or the schemes and the strategies of the adversary. I quoted this earlier. Let me say it again. First Peter 5, 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, lion rather, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He is hot on the trail. He has schemes and strategies. All right? He has, listen, from the very beginning in Eden, he, as the snake depicted, was the most subtle creature of all known creation. And that fact of his subtlety has not changed. 
He is a deceiver. He is a liar. And so he has strategies that worked around that with intentions on people failing and falling. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. And this is really very spiritual, folks. Lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, we, we use that oftentimes uh, just in a very broad view, a very broad view, talking about how that the adversary or that we are not ignorant of the adversary's devices. All right. We use that very broadly. But if you read it in which the context in which it is set, the verse before it is talking about forgiveness. The verse before it is talking about, and several verses actually before, it's talking about needing to forgive people so that they're not overcome with over much sorrow and that if we forgive them, we forgive them in the name of Christ. And it's talking about forgiveness. And then talking about forgiveness, it comes to the scripture, lest Satan should get advantage of us. Because forgiveness and unforgiveness is a very spiritual thing. Lest he should get advantage of it, for we're not ignorant of his devices, which in the context of the scripture I see relating to, we're not ignorant that the adversary wants to propagate spirits of unforgiveness among people. Because why? Because we have scripture interpreting scripture in the gospels that if I won't forgive my brother, then the Lord won't forgive me. Now, isn't that a game strategy for warfare? If I can just somehow stir up a spirit of unforgiveness among the people. Look at this. This is, this is kind of neat. I, my eyes just kind of came back to the scripture. I was thinking of that particular scripture this morning. And I went on and then read the verse before. Mark 11, verse 25 and 26. Jesus says, and when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have ought against any, that your father which also, which your father also which. I just love the Bible sometimes. My mind naturally works certain words in certain orders, and then it flips them. The Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So that's what I relate to you. But what got me was those first few words that just seem kind of neat compared with the setting of Ephesians 6. He says, and when ye stand praying, forgive. What do we have in, in, in Ephesians chapter number six over and over again spoken to as we put on this armor of God? Stand, do all to stand. And the last verse is talking about then having all of this armor on bathed with prayer. And if you stand praying, just go on and forgive. I love it. I love it. Amen. And this is how we fight our battles. <laughs> this is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight. Amen. Bible tells us of the Apostle Peter in Luke, speaking of warfare, Peter, no doubt, his denial of the Lord before it ever took place, Jesus had a conversation with Peter. He told him, quite frankly and plainly, that Satan desires to have you to sift as wheat. But I have prayed for you that when you are converted, strengthen the brother. But he said, Satan desires to have you to sift you as we. Satan has a scheme on your life. Satan wants to deceive you. And he wants to sift you as we. Sifting, sifting is where the chaff was separated from the wheat. He wants to sift you as we. Now let's look at this in very literal terms. Sifting for wheat in that day was not like the shaking of the pan sifting. And it was not by some great mechanical tractor machinery as we have today. Or not just even the sifting back that far. It goes further back than that. I don't want to step out of the camera range, sorry. Sifting was taking the grain up to a threshing floor, which they purposely placed threshing floors on high places. The reason being is that that person is going to take that wheat with a winnowing fork, all right? This farming instrument with these, these big tines, and they're going to get underneath that wheat, and they're going to toss that wheat up into the air, wheat and chaff. And as they do so, that chaff that has been broken up from, from, from the threshing floor, and it, it, it's, it's loose upon now the wheat, as they throw that up, since they're in a high place where there's greater prospect for winds to be blowing right 
Many times, if anybody ever flown a kite, you know, you, it seems like you want to get that thing higher. But the higher you get it up, man, the more wind there is to, to grasp. So they have these, these, these places and high places. So as they pitch that, that wheat and chaff up, the wind's going to blow and blow away, blow away, if you will, uh, the chaff. He says, well, he's wanting to sift you as wheat. Man, he's got strategies in the realm of the spirit. Have you ever felt like you've been tossed in the air, hit the floor, and the winds have blown on you? Huh? He says he wanted to sift you as wheat. This is a spiritual battle that he's wanting to do against you, Peter. And so for our purposes, in order to be victorious in this battle, in order to be victorious in these fights and these things that assail us, and to have victory over the onslaught of the adversary, have a fighting chance, might I say, we need to put on the whole armor of God. I'm going to come to a close and I didn't get where I even wanted to get today, but that is quite okay. I've enjoyed being here. I want to share with you just real quickly before we depart concerning spiritual warfare, something perhaps to encourage someone here real quick. The story was told uh, many, many years ago. The story was told of a chess champion who was, who was on vacation in Europe. He was taking some vacay time in Europe, and as he was there, he was seeing some of the sights and he went to visit an art gallery that was in Europe, and as he was going through and looking at each of the different uh, artistic beauties that were there, he stopped at one and somewhat mesmerized by it, and because the painting was a painting of a chess game, him being a chess professional and champion himself, he's quite intrigued by this, he's very interested in it. Uh, the painting depicting this chess game was like none that this man had ever seen. On one side of the chessboard was what presumably to him was depicted uh, the devil. And he was laughing and jeering and full of giddiness and gaiety as he was on that side of the chessboard. And he had his hand on the board getting ready to make a move in the chess strategy. And on the other side of the chessboard, the, the, the devil's uh, opponent was a young man and the picture depicted him that he was shaking and trembling and sweat had formed upon his brow and it almost gave this idea that his knees were knocking and tears were streaming down from the corners of his eyes and biting his fingernails over the tension that was in this moment. And the chess champion came to understand then as he stood there the meaning of the portrait because he saw the title of it. This great piece of artwork was called Checkmate. It was trying to depict that the devil was about to make one final move to win this young man's soul, that the devil was laughing and jeering with all the giddiness and gaiety, and this young man is terrified because coming to this, this, this climax, if you will, of defeat for himself. And so the chess champion so taken by the portrait he studied it literally there just stood and looked at it hours upon hours and then across his own face a smile began to form and break from each side of his lips he went to find the the owner and the person taking care of the art gallery he said sir would you happen to have a chessboard here and they searched closets and stuff and as the story goes they found one and the staff scurried out to where the painting was and they brought the old chessboard and the champion set up the chessboard identically to how it was set up in the picture identically and he looked at it after he did this he stared at it a little bit longer back and forth the painting to the board the board to the painting and then he looked up at that young man in the pain and said, young man, he said, I wish you could hear me right now because if you could, you could stop trembling. Your knees stop knocking. You could wipe the tears from your face. He said, because I got some good news for you. See, I am a chess champion among world-renowned people. I know the game of chess backwards. I know it sideways. I know it forward. Sir, if you could hear me, there's no reason for you to tremble at all. I know it looks like the devil has the final move on you, but he has tricked you. He has deceived you. From my estimation, there's still one more move left on the board when he is done. And so today, as we exit from this place, I want you to be encouraged today. If you feel like you've been backed into a corner or a cave, your knees are knocking, but you're fully suited in the armor of God, I'm here to tell you this morning, it's not over till it's over. You've got one more move. 
Hallelujah. We got one more strategy plan, amen, through Christ Jesus today, and we can be victorious through him when we are fully suited in the armor of God because he's going to avenge me of my enemies. He's going to come to my defense because I've taken his robe, his sword, his belt, his name. Hallelujah. In baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you do not stand alone today if you've been born again of the water of the Spirit in Jesus Christ this morning. Hallelujah. You got one more move. Let's pray this morning. I'm sorry I don't want to hold you longer than I've already held you. Father, I love you. God, I appreciate you. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, I pray, Lord, that Ephesians 6 would be of some benefit to somebody in our viewing audience this morning. Perhaps someone, God, that's never, Lord, read those, those verses of Scripture, never seen, God, those verses of Scripture, but they're hearing them taught today. I pray, oh, Lord, in their importance, God, for our lives. God, I pray, oh, Lord, today minister to them. I pray, oh, God, help somebody that's not just fighting inside battles and outside battles, but Lord, invisible battles, Lord, that we cannot even, Lord, pick up on. I pray, oh Lord, this morning that you're able to move up on that individual and that person. Help us, oh God, to fight the good fight of faith, God, so that we might lay our hand on eternal life someday. I pray, oh Lord, today, God, help people in their struggle. Hallelujah. God, if a person right now is struggling, they don't have the armor of God, they've never taken your robe on, they've never taken your sword or your buckler or any of those things. They've never taken your name on in baptism. God, prick their heart this morning. Let them know, Lord, that they can be born again of the water and the spirit. They can go down in a watery grave of a baptism in Jesus' name and take upon that name that's above every name. That name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess of things in heaven, of things in the earth, and of things below the earth that he is Lord. God, I pray, oh Lord, empower them today by your name in your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much this morning for being with us. We'll be back here tonight. Amen. Ready? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.